Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every other week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How's it going? Okay, how are you? Okay. My cats are being ridiculous. Pepper climbed in the litter box and laid down in it, and I'm like, why are you- I hope it was clean. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, gross. So I wiped her down with some wipes I have, but Ugh. if she does that again, she might have to have another bath. Gross. Ugh, I'm like, what is wrong with you, cat? A lot. That makes me worry about her. I don't know. I've seen cats sit in the litter box, our own cats sit in the litter box before, but not when it was dirty. Yeah, she's done it before when it's clean, although it's been a while. But Yeah. But no. Okay, Pepper, fine. God. Gross. Very gross. Damn cats. <sighs> Seriously. Ah. Agreed. like i don't want to stop never stop never stopping buddy he's the one who's like get up it's too it's it's past my breakfast time even though it's only 7 30 <laughs> our dogs let us sleep in until 9 30 today i was nice surprised. and they only woke up because i have i have like a, a last ditch alarm set for myself so i don't like feeling like i've slept the entire day away so oh, yeah I, and i for sure will sleep until like 11 or noon if i don't set any kind of alarm so i have an alarm set for like 9 30 but the dogs rarely let us both sleep that late, but we were both still in bed at 9.30 when it went off this morning. I was like, wow. Very nice. I'm going I'm to feed the dogs mashed potatoes more often. <laughs> Is the trade-off, though, stinky poops that uh, or farts that... <laughs> The trade-off is stinky farts and taking her for a run today and having her stop to poop twice while we were running. <laughs> yeah. So that will for sure not be a continuing habit. Just the, the one-time special treat. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? We're talking about the Stargate SG-1 Season 1 episode, Fire and Water. Indeed. Unless I've read the wrong episode. Watch the... No. no but no, I didn't. I also okay. watched that same Great. episode. So yes. <laughs> it's good that we discuss the uh, episode before, which one we we're watching next, because with the weird numbering, it helps me to feel better to know, okay, well, last time we said this is going to be this one, so for sure that's the one I will yes. watch this time. I, I think it's only season one that has the weird... The weird... Uh, differing... I think differing, so. The weird differing number systems depending on what source you're using i think the rest of the seasons all match up that'll be good yes ah i'm dropping things sorry Bitch. i know i know what the hell is that i don't care who cares who cares <laughs> as long as i don't knock over i am pre-gaming our fire pit by having a beer oh, yeah, right now too. so yes what are you drinking? I am drinking a Nebco Spin Cycle. Um, Ooh, I think it's number twenty nine or something. I don't know. Nice. They've been they've done a lot of these. I am also pre gaming our um, fire pit shenanigans for tonight with a Founders All Day IPA. Ooh, nice! Which is delicious. I do like the All Day IPA. So yeah, so fire, fire and water. And water. <laughs> this will be one of those days where we go off on a million tangents. That's, that's cool. Yeah. We start with dramatic music again that we have heard before, and it just gives an ominous feel to the beginning of the episode, and there's a shot outside, a brief shot of guards patrolling with their weapons out, and it makes you think something bad is happening inside, but nothing bad is happening just yet, because we go inside to Hammond's office, and uh, what's his face? Regular guy who I don't remember his name. Do you remember? His I name? think his name is Walter, but I don't think they. Oh, I, think I don't right. think they've named him yet in the show. No. Yeah. No, they haven't in the show, and I know they do eventually, but I couldn't remember no. what it was. So I think you're right that his name is Walter. Comes in to Ham's office and shows him a summary of some planet scan, and then the alarm goes off for an unscheduled off-world activation, and so they run out of the room to the control center, and we see that. The gate is powering up, but the iris is still closed, and Hammond says that it seems to be SG-1 coming in, so rapidly orders the iris to be opened so that they don't splat against it like bugs on a windshield. Mm -hmm. 
And then down in the gate room, we see a very frazzled and quite wet SG-1 coming through. Except that they are missing somebody. They are missing Daniel. And they report that he has died on the planet. That's not good. Nope. So dark start to the episode. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like this might... This this seems like the shortest like cold open we've had for this. Because mm-hmm. we go right to... Yeah, yeah. Right to credits after that. and Yes. I was like, where's the five minutes of doing other things? Right. <laughs> Our long exposition. Yeah. Nope. Just a, just quick. Yeah. Quick and dirty. Then I guess we're in the infirmary after that, where they're packing away the clothing that SG-1 was wearing. Dr. Fraser needs analysis of whatever on the clothing. Yeah. Bright yellow biohazard yeah. bags, too. Not just, like, packing away in normal... Yep. Normal boxes or, or yeah. bags, but specifically labeled as biohazards. <laughs> and Dr. Frazier uh, goes to Carter, who is very distressed, shaking mm-hmm. and wet and cold. She's crying. Frazier ends up having them give her another blanket, but that doesn't it doesn't look like it does anything for her. Um, but <laughs> she's in shock is what Dr. Frazier says. Yes. Frazier's trying to get her to, you know, calm down. Uh, and she she says that Daniel screamed and there was fire and he kept calling for help and screaming and then he was gone. So she's going to get a sedative. Then we uh, pan over to Teal'c who is not having his blood pressure taken. He does not want anybody like touching him. So he gets to go. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was weird that they just let him leave that readily yeah. just because he got upset and didn't want his blood yeah. pressure taken. They're like, all right, you're fine then. But she seems pretty sensitive to that because when she examines Jack, who was sitting on the bed next to where Teal'c was, um, she does a little bit of like, I don't know, shining a light in his eye and whatnot. And he's very sensitive to that. Um, yeah. And he, she kind of just dismisses him too. Like we can do this later. So, so they're still a little wet. And uh, as they're walking away, like the hair's all wet. And uh, so it hasn't been that long since they've come through. So I would have thought they'd want to do more examining. But she's giving them a break. Or at least, like, make them stay there. Yeah. While they're all recovering. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, at least until they all stop being hypothermic, maybe keep them in. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But they don't. Jack gets to. At the very least. (laughs) Jack gets to leave, too. And that's basically this. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, I thought that was an odd choice. You're hypothermic and shivering, all of you, but eh, you're fine. <laughs> it's cool. Yes. A little while later in the meeting room, one by one, the team testifies on camera about what happened. And they all basically have the same story of how they went through the gate around 7 a.m., took a bunch of samples, and then suddenly there was a big fire and Daniel screamed, help me, and then was completely engulfed in fire and was was gone. Jack says that he tried to get to Daniel, but wasn't able to do anything, and they all had to jump into the ocean or the lake, the body of water that was there, in order to try to save themselves from this all-encompassing fire. But then once they came up, Daniel was just completely gone. So Hammond says that they're going to need to go back to the planet to try to recover the body, which made no sense to me, because they just said the body was completely incinerated. Yeah. But Hammond says they're going to go recover it anyway. And at this point, it's Colonel O'Neill that is being interviewed, and he insists that they can't go because it's too volatile and too unstable. Nobody can go back to that planet. Hammond tries to comfort him a bit by saying he understands how hard it is to lose a teammate and then uh, dismisses O'Neill. Hammond runs into Frazier, Dr. Frazier, um, and they do a little walk and talk scene where she's, you know, telling him, that their initial exam basically showed that there really wasn't any huge problem except for this large amount of post-traumatic stress that they are experiencing. And Hammond decides that the best way to help them through this is to immediately put them back to work as soon as they get a replacement for Daniel. Right. That was so callous. I know. (laughs) It seemed like such a bad choice. Yeah, You know, it's Hammond, so what are you going to do? Yeah, right. (laughs) Again, it's Hammond, so Dr. Frazier emphatically disagrees with this and that she needs them under observation and that they need some time. And he acquiesces and says, okay, they're off They're off duty for seven days. He's easily swayed by everyone, including... Uh, well, I mean, like, that's good because yeah. he should be listening to the doctor here. Yes. 
it's 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 a mixed bag with him on whether that's a good or bad thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Because I mean, he should have just been listening to deferring to the doctor to begin with. Next scene is in the gate room. There is a funeral or memorial service going on, a flag ceremony specifically. They have a large flag out. The gate is open and lighting up the room, so casting the whole light in the kind of a watery looking glow. Jack is speaking as the flag is being folded and talks about how Daniel made the place what it was and was their voice and their conscience and was a good and courageous man. I was wondering who the random people in suits were in the background because there was like one guy and two older women that were not in military dress but were just wearing like dark colored suits and I was like oh that must be his family and then I was like wait no that can't be his family because this is top secret so who are these random non-military people? I don't know maybe there's I don't know. Random senators? Maybe. I mean, could be politicians of some kind, or maybe there are people in other parts of the government who can know this information and have business with them. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Random civilian contractors with high-level clearance. (laughs) Oh, maybe they're all the other archaeologists or anthropologists (laughs) that go with them. Yeah, it could be, actually. Uh, anyway, after the flag is folded, it's presented to Jack, who then presents it to Teal'c. And Bugle plays, of course. Everyone salutes. And Jack and Sam go up the ramp to put a wreath of flowers through the gate, which was a little bit of a strange thing. It was a nice scene, but I just thought it was a little bit weird how they just put it in the event horizon and it just kind of floated there Yeah. in the event horizon before slowly being sucked through without any of the force that we're led to believe is involved in stuff yeah. passing through the gate <laughs> so it was a, a very artistic choice of how to to yeah illustrate this scene with the cg in the gate hammond says that they are still fully committed to their mission despite what happened to daniel and may they rest at peace do they do this for every single person that dies on a mission because i feel like we've had a good number of people die on missions and we've never seen anything like this and if so is hammond constantly recommitting every time that they have a memorial service for somebody to their mission because the way that he said it made it sound like Daniel was the only one who's died and but they can't let his death be in vain and that's not his exact wording but that's kind of the feeling I got from it but they have mentioned on many other occasions where someone has died on a planet yeah and we've seen people die on other planets that were part of other SG uh, SG teams in other scenes so yeah and Kowalski died and yeah and Kowalski died right at the beginning (laughs) You know, a couple episodes ago, the Bone Throne episode, several people died yeah, on the planet there. that's true. And granted, one of them was probably not very honorably thought of, given <laughs> given how he died and how he took over the planet. But still, like, his entire team ended up dying on the planet, I think, or at least, yeah. you know, at least a few other people ended up dying on the planet in that episode. <laughs> and I am doubting that we got one of these memorial services for all of them. So maybe it's just a special SG-1 thing, since they're kind of like... The flagship maybe group. maybe Daniel's super special because I think that one of the things Jack said was that Daniel made all of this possible with his contributions. True. So I don't know. True, because he was all the way back on the the first very first mission. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I also when Jack was talking, he he was like, "Oh, he was our voice. He was our conscience. He was a good man." And I was like, "Dude, last week he slaughtered a bunch of baby gold. So maybe." <laughs> I uh, know, right? But then I thought Jack would probably actually agree with his action. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> but using him as an example of your conscience, good call. You know that I, that reference didn't even uh, like went over my head. But yeah, you're absolutely right about that because I remember having an issue with that in the last episode and that being pretty skeevy to me. And uh, maybe he and yeah. Carter kept that a secret. That's entirely possible, actually. I think that they probably would have. Don't I would don't know. Think, but we never know because they never ever mention that again. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but it was a very nice ceremony. It was a lovely ceremony. We transition right through the wormhole surface and find Daniel is not dead. He is. Ooh. I know. He's shocking to me. He's, he's in. So when I first saw this, you know, this, I was like, he's in an aquarium because that's kind of that look that a lot of TV shows have yeah. when, you're, when you're in your aquarium. It's all dark and watery looking, and yeah, it has like that the the wavering light that you see that isn't a, yeah. a result of like the the refraction and bending but moving happening that happens with water. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's alive. He calls out to the team who is not there, and that's right. The big surprise. Dun, dun, dun. Ah. Jack, in the meanwhile, is hosting a wake at his house for Daniel. I'm assuming, again, this is all people Daniel's worked with, uh, partly because they're sitting around talking about, like, reminiscing about Abydos and other missions right. they've been on. But also, Daniel doesn't really have any friends that we know of on Earth anymore anyway. He was gone for a while, and then also he had already been pretty much a pariah in his career before that. And Yeah, <laughs> things weren't going so well for Daniel before all his military involvement. So I'm guessing these are all SG people. <laughs> I would assume... <laughs> Maybe his family, whatever family he might have left, had their own memorial service that was separate. Who maybe. knows? Maybe, maybe nobody knows he's dead. I mean, they didn't even tell Catherine that he was back. Maybe they didn't so. know that he was alive. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe nobody knew that he had come back that had been a friend or family member before. Teal comes in. He's got a straw hat on. So I think I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna start a teal hat teal cat watch. I think because yes. <laughs> I think this is only the second time we've seen him in a hat off on yeah off the base on earth he, he always has to wear a hat to cover yeah. up the gold yeah it's not really a tattoo it's like a molten <laughs> yeah brand that is filled with gold yeah so and uh it sticks up out of his forehead a little yeah. bit more 3d more, a little bit more 3d than a tattoo more 3d than a tattoo because tattoos are 3d <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so if it has any three-dimensionality <laughs> to it it is more so than a tattoo <laughs> <laughs> so he figured the straw hat this time was appropriate rather than the Chicago baseball cap he was handed last time he was <laughs> off base. Yes. I thought he looked quite dapper yeah, in it, though. Yeah. Teal doesn't understand what's, you know, this ritual that we're doing. So he explains that on Chulak, they just fast for several days when somebody dies. And Carter explains that we like to have a big send off party. She, I don't know. She kind of makes it more jolly than any wake I've ever been to, or made it sound that way anyway. But <laughs> mm. I've been to some pretty happy yeah. wakes actually okay. myself. I think that it's. I mean, some people. It depends on the family and the beliefs. But I've been to a few that see it more as a celebration of the person's life and do try to make it a really happy gotcha. event versus a a sad mourning for their loss event. Just a celebration of who they were. So it, it can go either way. I think so. I appreciated her trying nice. to make it yeah. a cheerful thing. Jack offers them a drink, uh, and Sam Sam wants a beer. So Jack starts to pour it, and sort of we get a camera, you know, close up of the beer pouring in the glass, and then Jack has like an image in his mind at that point of bubbling water and fire, and Daniel screaming for help, and he puts down the beer and he just walks out the door. Mm. I found that scene to be pretty creepy. It creeped me out. It a bit. was, although I was also mm. distracted by his like liquor dispensing apparatus in the background. He had because <laughs> he notice. had you know he had his like uh, cooler, not cooler. It's like a bowl with water in it or with water. A bowl with ice in it for all of the beers, but then he had a bunch of liquor bottles sitting there. But then there was also like some sort of contraption where the bottles were like upside down, so you could just like put a cup under it and dispense it. Oh, weird! I want that in my living room. I don't because that is too easy. That's fair. That would be way too dangerous, and I would not use it responsibly. As evidenced by that keg that I mentioned we had that we went right. through in like two weeks at the start of quarantine, and we're like, oh, maybe we're the monsters. <laughs> maybe we need to be more responsible than this. Actually, it wasn't even two weeks. It was like one week. But yeah, we, uh, we, we were a little bit more responsible with the next, yeah. <laughs> the next one we got. And of course, if we were really responsible, we wouldn't have gotten another one, but here we are. So it's my unserious like distraction to a pretty uh, distracting, disturbing scene. So Yes. Yeah. Back on the other planet, a random fish guy comes in and is just staring at Daniel silently. Daniel tries to introduce himself, and the fish man opens a panel that shows some sort of cuneiform writing. It's glowing and it's pretty. And he points at it. Daniel is, of course, able to translate it because he knows all long-lost <laughs> dialects and languages and how to read and translate all ancient written languages. And basically all he gets out of it is a couple of words here and there. The fish guy wants Daniel to reveal fate Omaroka. And Daniel is very confused by that and is like, is that you? I don't know exactly what you want me to do. And then at that point, the fish guy shrieks and brings out some sparkle bling and blasts Daniel across the room. 
<sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, back at the wake, Jack is playing driveway hockey, and he then takes out a car window. Can we get this damn car? Yeah. Because he's, he's not having a good day, which I totally nope. understand. Indeed. Uh, Hammond comes over to talk to him. And Jack says he's thinking seriously about retiring. And Hammond's like, I can't let you do that. There's There's another example of Hammond just being shitty and not understanding about mental illness and mental uh, health issues. I (laughs) feel like he should have been a little bit more like, yeah, I can understand why you're saying that. Yeah. Instead of just being like, nah, you can't do it. (laughs) He seems to be on team work through your pain, maybe. (laughs) He is, which I personally do not feel as healthy. (laughs) No, but... but Hey. Of course, I also acknowledge that I'm not a mental health professional, and there may be other viewpoints. Yeah. But, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, Hammond also has an assignment, not an order, but a request for them for SG One to be the ones to go to Daniel's apartment and clear it of any classified information that might be hanging around. Yes, and then he's like, "Now go and hang out with the other people." And also, you know, that was my car, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jack's like, "Oh, you should probably get that." That fixed. was good. Yeah. <laughs> So that was that was quite yeah. amusing. A, a rather humorous end to a pretty serious scene. Yes. Back on the other planet, Daniel is translating for Fishman. And apparently it's some sort of a legal code. It says if a man accuses another of murder and fails to prove, the accuser shall be put to death. And Daniel's like, cool, that's great. But what does it mean? Why do I need to care about this? And the fish guy just keeps gesturing at it. And Daniel's like, yeah, it's a legal code, but where are my friends? Maybe tell me about that. (laughs) It was just a weird conversation of fish guy speaking broken English to Daniel and trying to understand what language Daniel was speaking. And Daniel said that it's English and the fish guy still wants to know what fate Omaroka. And Daniel says he still doesn't know what that means or who or what Omaroka is. And he wants to know, like, is it a person? Is it a place? What is that? And then the fish man offers him some food when he says he doesn't have any answers to that and tells Daniel that he needs to figure it out or else he's going to kill Daniel. That's bad news. Yes. yes. Quite. I think Daniel <laughs> says that too. I was just, sorry, reading that. And I was like, no, I think that's, oh. <laughs> I think Daniel says that maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. They did a good job. Both Michael Shanks and, in general, the tone of the episode did a good job of getting across the immense frustration of both of them yeah. because... They're just talking across each other and around in circles and... Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the guy asking Daniel for information he doesn't have and Daniel trying to explain that he doesn't have the information and the fish guy insisting he must have the information. (laughs) Yeah. And basically, as you said, talking in circles. Yeah. Back on Earth, SG-1, minus Daniel, of course, is at Daniel's apartment. Um, They're rifling through his stuff. There's some boxes out. So... Uh, Sam comes across a on a bookshelf. Daniel has a journal for each of the planets that they visited. So she pulls one off the shelf and starts thumbing through. And it's uh, the one he he kept for his for Abydos, I guess. And right. there's a I don't know. I enjoyed the entries like O'Neill thinks I'm a geek. I don't know how to yeah. get us home. I'll never get paid. <laughs> Your biggest concern about not getting home is that you're not going to get paid. I mean, like, yeah, that's a concern. But, like, even if you could get paid, if you can't get home, then you're not going to be able to spend it on this planet. Whatever. I thought it was funny. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was a good callback to the fact that he literally had nowhere to go when Catherine, like, comes across him in the movie. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He had no income. He didn't really have a job. Yeah. Then there's another entry she reads about how he's confident that if anyone can help him find Share, it'll be Jack, which is aww. Oh. Yeah. And Jack's a little con- uh, a little bit concerned about her reading his diary. Like, what if what right. if Daniel finds out? And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then Tilka's examining a, a game that Daniel has. A, he says it's an ancient Egyptian game called Jackal and Hound. <laughs> And while he's explaining, like, his reminiscing about the time he played it with Daniel, Sam is looking at Daniel's fish tank, 
What do you think takes care of his That's fish? That's a good question. He is on missions. It's a saltwater fish tank, too, because the fish they showed was a wrasse, which is a saltwater fish. And saltwater fish tanks take more effort and maintenance than just freshwater ones. And, of course, you need to feed the things, too. So I mean, can you... I, I was like, oh, maybe he can get a pet sitter. But can he get a pet sitter when he leaves diaries about his missions to Abydos just sitting on his <laughs> bookshelves? Like, is that okay? About, yeah, a valid question. I wouldn't think it would be. Because what if you happen to have a really nosy pet sitter? I was a very nosy babysitter when I used to babysit. <laughs> I mean, nice. my my... My inclination was to go for their kitchen cabinets, though, and then eat all their food because I'm a monster. <laughs> but I was a little nosy, Yum. you know. I didn't do a whole lot of babysitting. <laughs> I did some, but I mostly just sat and watched their television. Yeah. Although these days, I bet a lot of people have home cameras, so. I mean, like, after the kids went yeah. to bed, I watched the right. television, not, like, just <laughs> ignoring the kids and watching TV. But, yeah, you're probably right that there's a lot more prevalence of of home cameras I although think. this was also like nearly 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago more than 20 years ago are you forgetting how old we actually yes are? yes i am yep i frequently do that as well <laughs> sam is uh examining kind of staring into the fish tank and she starts to see uh, the same vision of daniel in bubbles My bubbles and in fire and screaming for help and she relays what she says to uh jack and teal who apparently have also all been having this same vision and they recognize that something something's not right yeah because they remember him dying in flames so what do the bubbles have to do with it and then they also for some reason jack you know jack jack actually is like i don't believe he's dead but i you Mm -hmm. know and so he's like, screw this. We're going back to base. <laughs> That's an appropriate sound effect for the water <laughs> <planet>. <laughs> So speaking of which, we're back on the water planet now. And the fish guy comes back in. And Daniel asks where the rest of SG-1 is. And Fishman tells him that they're gone. But Daniel says that they would never leave without him. So then the Fishman tells him that they think that you are no more. So he apparently gave them the false memory of Daniel dying so that they would leave and never come back. And Daniel's like, why would you do that? And Fishman says it's because he knows of Babylon and then again asks what fate Omaroka. And so the fish guy finally says that Omaroka was apparently his mate. And Daniel's like, what, on Earth in Babylon? That was like 4,000 years ago. So then the fish guy gets excited because Daniel knows what Babylon is. And Daniel explains that they only have partial knowledge of it because it happened way before he was born and a lot of stuff happened between then and the modern day of SG-1 universe. And the fish man says that Daniel must be deceiving him because he knows that Daniel serves the gold. And Daniel gets extremely (laughs) upset at that implication and says, no, they took my mate. doesn't really say it. He's so much as screaming that they took his mate and that he hates them too. And so the fish guy continues to argue that, well, then just tell me what happened to Omaroka then. And of course, Daniel still doesn't know because he has no idea who this person is or have any recollection of reading about that person in his history classes. So much cranky pantsness on both sides. (laughs) Indeed. I felt like it was really frustrating because, as you said before, it was like circular logic. And just like every single scene with the two of them was that circular logic of tell me what happens. I know you tell me what happened. I know you know what happened. No, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But you do. But no, I don't. And every scene was that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You could feel everyone's frustration. Yes. Now that SG-1 minus Daniel has returned to the SGC, uh, they have visited with the doc and apparently had some scans done. Um, she says their levels of serotonin are very low, um, mm-hmm. which uh, can uh, account for their depression, but not their visions that they're having of these other memories. Yes. She also said there's a dark spot on the brain, which she wouldn't think was anything, but it's in the same place on all of their scans. Don't know what that's about. We don't really talk yeah, about that. That, well, the first part about serotonin is actually yeah. correct. It's a neurotransmitter that does play in depression, and that's what SSRIs are. They regulate uh, how it's selective serotonin, if anyone cares, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, and so it basically just lengthens the amount of time that serotonin stays in synapses to help 
transmit the signal better. So that's real. Okay. Serotonin being linked to depression is real. But then the scans that she was showing are not real <laughs> scans. They're, they're just <laughs> they're just some CGI more, brain more images st- because that doesn't look anything like real. Brain more scans. Stargate medical science. <laughs> just <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're they're all interrupted with another off-world activation siren announcement, and SG One makes a run for the gate. And they, when they get there, they're like waiting expectantly, and then, surprise, Daniel walks through, and yeah, and they're like, ah. but they cut away and cut back again, and it turns out it's actually not Daniel, but a member of SG Six, I believe. Yes. And so they're 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 having a moment there because they they fully they all ex- all three of them said they expected it was Daniel returning. And they can't figure out why, you know, because they, they saw him die, but they don't believe it. Yeah, they all argue that they know he's dead, yeah. but at the same time, they know he's not dead. And Jack then is like, we got to go back. And then he, like, grabs his head like he's in immense pain. I don't think he even got the entire sentence oh, out. Oh, like, yeah. I, the implication was that he was about to suggest that they go back, but before he could actually say it, he was overtaken yeah. by agony so what's that about right <laughs> so hammond tells dr frazier at that point that they need to figure out what's going on because maybe one of their people is still out there could be could I be mean, we and in it fact is. is because we've seen him <laughs> and in the next scene we're also back on the planet with daniel again who's still trying to figure out if there's any way out of whatever kind of fish tank room prison he's being kept in and Fishman comes in and says, well, you can't leave and you need to tell me everything you know about Babylon. And Daniel says that, well, there's been so much lost to fires and wars and most of our history has been lost to time. And Fishman accuses him of being afraid. But of course, Daniel's like, yeah, I'm afraid because you're asking me to do the impossible and then saying you're going to kill me if I can't. And so after some conversation, Daniel is trying to just get the fishman to tell him anything else that might be helpful about what happened to Omaroka and like people that she knew or that she mentioned or any places she might have mentioned. And the fishman mentions the name Bellos, which of course Daniel is familiar with that name for whatever reason. And so he starts talking some history things about Babylon and asks for more information and says and the fishman says that Omaroka feared Bellas. And Daniel's like, oh yeah, he was a conqueror, and if you just come back to Earth with me where all my books are, and the fishman is of course like, no, because you serve the Gua'uld, so I'm not (laughs) going there with you. (sighs) And says that it's a fate of all humans that uh, Omarosa was (laughs) Omarosa. That's the apprentice chick. (laughs) Omaroka (laughs) could not prevent... And Daniel's like, oh, she came to fight the gold? Well, then we owe her a huge debt. And Fishman is like, well, she failed, apparently. And it it becomes clear that he thinks that all of mankind fell to the gold because of the fact that SG-1 had a Jaffa with them. And, of course, he was able to sense the, the gold larva that Tilk was carrying. And so Daniel tries to explain the situation to him and that the gold haven't actually taken over Earth. And the fish guy kind of looks convinced, but then suddenly grabs Daniel's head and says he knows that the knowledge is in there. <sighs> and that's the end of the scene. <laughs> Come on, buddy. How many times has Daniel got to tell you? Stop being so difficult. So we're back at the SGC in the conference room. Sam, Tilk, and Jack are there with Hammond and a doctor that we don't know. I just refer to him as Lab there, Coat. That's good. And Lab Coat. And I can't remember if Fraser's in there at this point, but at some point she'll be in. She yeah, is okay. in there. So they, they're they listening to a reel-to-reel tape of ocean sounds to help them concentrate. Mm-hmm. I was a little curious as to why they would be using this very old-timey way of playing ocean sounds when this was 1997. Yeah. I right. You would at least have had CDs yeah. or something. Maybe maybe the sound quality is much better on these. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> real, real, real. Yeah. I'm sure it is. 
absolutely that's where i was like well maybe i'm gonna look this up and i will find a like a group of people who are like the vinyl people who are like nothing sounds better than yep. vinyl man but there is records have records have a yeah. soul <laughs> there are fans of real to real tapes but i haven't oh. read anything about them anyone being like the audio quality on this is uh, superior to everything yeah i can't imagine that being <laughs> yeah. the case so anyway, they're listening to these uh, ocean sounds, and Jack's like, what is this for? Lab coat is called Dr. McKenzie, apparently. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> lab coat is apparently using this m- mood music, as Jack called it, uh, to <laughs> get them to concentrate better, uh, to help them with their memory of what's, or try to figure out what's going on. Jack says it's distracting, but we look at TLQ, who seems entranced <laughs> by it yes. <laughs> yeah he did. he did he had a really funny expression yeah but then it kind of turns to distress as we get him getting yeah. his version of the bubbling water fire daniel death scene um right. and he actually gets up and like shouts and it takes a moment for them to kind of get him back to reality and what's going on right now so, again, they repeat that they know Daniel's dead, but they also know he's alive. And this conflict needs to be resolved before they can return to duty, which is a smart thing for Hammond to do. Yes. <laughs> I liked that the the doctor, whatever his face that you were talking Lab about. Lab coat. Dr. McKenzie. Says, <laughs> yeah, I was talking about like how they seem to be dealing with some dueling realities. Both things can't be true, yet both seem to be true i'm like yeah <laughs> okay cool, dude. Helpful, dude. yeah <laughs> like yes thank you for stating the obvious for everybody i think we could have all figured that out on our own but i mean you know. that whole scene seemed a little extraneous since we got no it, new information yeah. about it except for the funny thing right. where Tilk is like entranced by the ocean waves but yeah yeah. After they're all joking about how it's a waste yeah. of time, we see over we pan over to Tilk and yeah, that was like the one amusing part. Back on the water planet, Daniel asks the fish man how he made all of SG one think he was dead, and the fish guy says he gave it to them. He gave them the memory of his death. Daniel's like, well, if you can influence all of them like that, and you know, you seem to know that I have this memory that I can't recall, why don't you just take it? And the fish man says that it would damage him, which I thought seemed weird because, like, he's threatening to kill Daniel, so why would he really care about damaging Daniel if he was, like, if he was willing to kill Daniel to get this information, why would he care about damaging him in the process of extracting it? I I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, Daniel says that he's willing to risk the damage, given that he has no other options other than staying there for the rest of his life or being killed. Um, or I guess if he's killed there, that would be also staying there for the rest <laughs> of his life. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, the fish man says that it's going to be extremely painful and he might actually die. But Daniel says he'd still rather risk it than staying there, not knowing if he'd ever see his friends or his wife again. Back in the conference room, the team is still recounting their experience to both doctors and Hammond. You know, they repeat about the fire being super hot. There's water nearby. Hammond then asks how long they they were on the planet for, and all three of them basically come to the conclusion that it couldn't have been more than half an hour. Yeah. Um, but it turns out, as we... Actually, we knew that um, they had been gone for, like, over three hours. He says you were gone nearly four. And they are like, oh my god, we've lost time. Ah. Uh, have you ever lost time? I lost time once. It was weird. I don't think I've lost time in, except for when I can't remember what happened because I drank too much in past <laughs> past experiences. But <laughs> uh, I was for sure not drinking too much. And I just chalk it up to me remembering poorly. But when I was living in Vermont for a while and I had come home for the weekend, I went to drive home and it took me three and a half hours to get home instead of two and a half, despite not having run into any traffic and despite keeping my normal speed on the highway. So huh. I'm like, that's weird. Why is it an hour later than it that should be? Weird. But as I said, I I am assuming that I was not abducted by aliens, but instead <laughs> just did the math wrong. <laughs> but it was still a really weird and disconcerting yeah. experience to look down at my clock and see that it was an hour later than I thought it should be for my, well, like when I was getting home, I was like, how is it that late? When I left, it was not this late. It was weird. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, lab coat man wants to... Uh wants to try hypnosis 
And Jack's like, no. And uh, Dr. Fraser jumps right in and is like, this is actually like a valid therapeutic practice. So <laughs> shut up, Jack. She doesn't say that. but <laughs> No, but that's the yeah. implication. <laughs> Jack expresses that he wants to go back to the planet, which evokes an immediate no from Carter and Teal'c. Right. I don't know how he was able to get out his request in full this time when he wasn't able to before. Maybe he's just keep po- and maybe it's wearing maybe off. I don't poking know. at himself. I don't know. <laughs> just, <laughs> poking yeah. at his own brain. <laughs> um, and they are like, holy cow, I don't know why I just said that. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're like, that seems like a conditioned response, the doctors say. So yes. then Carter volunteers for the hypnosis because she's familiar with it from an undergrad psych course. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. Sam. <laughs> course <laughs> so later in some random lab dr Whitecoat is hypnotizing sam and she's just shouting burning and that something about salt water and then suddenly we're in a flashback scene sg1 is standing on the beach on a random planet and there's a bunch of moons overhead and they're looking out over the ocean and there's a bunch of bubbles and the fish man comes out of the water the same fish man that's Presumably the same fish man <laughs> holding Daniel captive. And the fish man puts his hand on Tilk's tummy and looks appalled and backs away. Did you find it weird that Tilk just let him do this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he seems pretty tolerant, though, and uh, kind of used to people being curious about True, him. But, like, this is some random who just popped out of the ocean and like yeah. just wordlessly does this. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird and creepy. I wouldn't like it if it was no. me, but also I don't have a parasite living in my face that I know of. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, he goes up to Daniel and draws some symbols in the sand that Daniel recognizes as cuneiform, which described to me how he knew that Daniel understood cuneiform, because before I was like, how of all four of them did he know that Daniel was going to understand this He language? looks like a geek. So, <laughs> he does look like a geek. He's a geek. <laughs> Daniel recognizes it as cuneiform and says that the thing wants to know if they are from the world that built Babylon. So Daniel then makes a few more symbols in the sand and tries to introduce himself and everyone else. But then the fish guy sparkle blings all of them and knocks them down. And I was wondering where he actually got his sparkle bling from in the first place, since it only seems to be a Gua Wool. It thing. also doesn't even look like he was wearing anything. I was like, yeah. does he just like it? emit sparkle inherent yeah inherent yeah. sparkle talent yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know i want to be able to emit sparkle just just cause yeah yeah i don't want to hurt people with it i just want to be able to, to sparkle. i know i understand yeah so after that there are some random like flashes of the team being held captive underground they're like strapped into testing equipment and they're all looking like they're in pain and unhappy and sam yells that they you know they're they're flashing back and forth between this flashback scene and current day and sam is shouting about how they need to get out and they need to get to the water and finally we're back solidly in modern day and Sam is freaking out because they left Daniel behind. They apparently, or she apparently realizes now that he is not actually dead and remembers leaving them behind. And so Jack comes up and hugs her and says that they're going to go get him. Oh, guys. Daniel is now in this experiment station chair slash bed thing. It's... was reminiscent of the hamster wheel bed from a few episodes back. It did look a little bit like the hamster wheel bed. It, which apparently I did. Even, I did some research before we filmed that before we filmed, <laughs> before we recorded that episode, and I couldn't find anything about the hamster wheel bed. And then I did more research after we recorded it, and I did find out that those actually used to be a thing. Nice, but they weren't used for very long, and they for sure are not used <laughs> anymore because they weren't very good, I guess, and also were really <laughs> uncomfortable from what I read. But uh, but yeah, they were a real thing, those weird hamster Well, this beds. seems like the chair version of that. Yes. Because he's yes. sitting, but he's also laying and yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a hamster wheel dentist chair. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The fish man is again warning of the dangers of what they're about to do. And Daniel's like, yeah, but we have to do this. We have no choice. So they get started. 
Fishman, you know, says again, I think, remember Omaroka. And then there are these blue lights, like, zapping towards Daniel's head from where he's strapped <laughs> in up there. It's, it's, it's he seems pan, pain, it seems a little painful. He's grunting a little bit. Um, and then he's starting to recount apparently thing he read like a thousand million years ago. Not really, because he did. But I'm sorry, I shouldn't speak in exaggeration when we're talking about a show that is dealing with things that happened 4,000 years ago. But yes, not quite a thousand million, but perhaps just 4,000. Yeah. Which would be many orders of magnitude less than a thousand yeah. million. So Daniel is recounting things that he remembers reading a long time ago that are about things that happened an even longer time ago. Yes. Um, and that Omaroka came forth from a heavenly egg and walked among men by day and at night retreated to the sea to sleep. Fishman's dialing up the pain as to get Daniel to like release more. And then Daniel says that Bellis came to Babylon and killed her. And then he turns off the device, I think, at that point. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, Daniel's like, that's all I know, uh, and realizes that Bellis was a ghoul. And Fishman is like, he murdered my love. And he kind of screams into the void. Ah! In grief, though, not in the way I did it. Because mine was just like, <laughs> ah! Not in like a weird Muppet. Yeah, no. Out, but in a sad, in a sad way. Yeah. <laughs> And now we're, we're laughing at his pain. We're terrible yeah. people. We're not laughing at his pain, laughing at Kathy and her <laughs> weird screams. Yes. But I feel like if there was a fish person, that would be fairly prevalent in the writing. But Well, funny you say that. When I was doing oh. some Wikipedia-ing earlier, um, really? I did find at least in one account, um, I think it's further in my notes, the mm-hmm. the name of the person who... He Daniel references as having read. Oh, it's like it was Barosis. Um, so in Barosis's writings, he wrote this history of Babylon where they talk about like the creation myths of Babylon. And one of them, in one of in in I think it was in that there are a bunch of different ones because obviously again yeah. four thousand years ago and you know things are lost in translation and right. Uh, but one of and them, Daniel says, at one point there were fires and things were yeah. destroyed and lost and wars and stuff like that. One, but one of the thing, one of the things I read said that there were fish people who like oh. passed along knowledge to humans, and, and I think they were like the early versions of their gods, maybe. Oh, well, that's cool. So Omaroka seems to be uh, this this early like Babylonian goddess of the sea called. Tiamat or something like that they she and her mate which I'm not sure if it's this other this actual other fish guy I couldn't tell if there was actually a correlation between the two because in the stories I was reading he died her mate died but they had they had given birth to other gods and then they ended up warring with these gods that they gave birth to and in the the result was both he and she ended up dying and she died at the hands of Belus who is AKA in Babylonian history, Bel Marduk, who is like a war god and like ends up being elevated to like the highest, like most prevalent god in their society. Cool. <laughs> well, thank you for the yeah. history lesson. That's really no problem. And it's all, it's all, you know, it's all mingled because it was, yeah. this wasn't all coming from this Barosis guy. Um, there were, you know, there was, um, there was a creation myth that, that was found in like the late 1800s that was written. That was has those slightly, you know, some different accounts, and even yeah. Barosis's writings seem to be lost, but they have like trickled down through with like a Greek translation, and then there's a Latin translation. The Greek translation was also lost, so you never know like what exactly is real and right. translations of translations, <laughs> yeah. and then memories of lost translations. A lot can get distorted, yeah. but so yeah, cool, awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. Back up on the beach, SG-1 runs up, having come in for their new mission to look for Daniel. We see a quick scene down below where Daniel is standing at the window and realizes there's no glass in it and makes a ridiculous pantomiming gesture as he's stepping (laughs) into it and starting to swim away. I don't know if you noticed how absurd he looked during this part, but I thought it was really silly looking. Also, it made me wonder, like, when he was trying to escape before, how did he not notice that there was no glass in the window and that he could have just walked through it I the was whole wondering time? that, too, because we, 
we got when Daniel was trying to like hunt for a way out at the doorway, I think, where yeah. uh, he had initially come in, the fish guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns around when he hears like this boop sound and there's yeah. a big window right there. So where did he think right. he came from? <laughs> yeah, he's been in this room the whole yeah. time. It's not like he's suddenly in a different room that has a glassless window. It's been the yeah. same room. Silly Daniel. And it's apparently not so far down that he can't just swim to the surface because then the next, sur- <laughs> the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> The fish guy comes up first, but then Daniel comes up right behind him and tells SG-1 not to shoot him. And Daniel says to the fish guy, you have your answer now, so you just need to let us go. And the fish guy acquiesces to that request. And Daniel says that he's sorry that he couldn't give him the answer that he wanted. But the fish man also says he's sorry, presumably for holding him captive and making his friends think he's dead. I would hope that's what he was sorry for. But he doesn't say exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I would hope so. He doesn't specifically say. He just says he's also sorry. So Daniel and Sam try to explain to the fish man that they just want to be friends with his people, even after everything that's happened. And the fish man says that perhaps in time and also says that in time, he knows that Daniel will find out what the fate of Sharae was. Then the fish guy goes back into the ocean and Daniel tells the rest of SG-1 that it's been that it's a long story. And Jack says that, of course, he'll have to tell them about it over sushi <laughs> at some point. Har, 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 yes. har. And Daniel says that he needs some sleep. And so they're like, yeah, well, about that. <laughs> you don't really have an apartment to go back to. Oops. And Daniel's pretty distraught, obviously. And Sam explains, yeah, it was the day after your memorial service. The colonel said some really nice things, though. And Daniel's like, oh, he did. And that was <laughs> the end was. of the episode. It's a very, very nice ending. It was a silly and ending. Also, it it took me. the entire episode for us to get the name of Fishman, which was Nem. Yeah. And I didn't even get it. Like, he said it so quickly as though he'd been using it yeah. all along. I was like, wait, was that the guy's name? Because <laughs> he had, for sure had not said it earlier. Yeah. And then I wasn't sure, like, maybe I misheard and maybe that he wasn't his name. But... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Did you like the episode? I did like the episode. I was... uh. I mean, I like. I thought it was well done. Like everyone mm-hmm. acted really well in it, and yeah. um, I even liked the look of Fishman. I don't know. I thought his uh, makeup and whatnot mm-hmm. was pretty good, and I enjoyed the humor of the episode when it was <laughs> there as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They did a good job with comedic breaks yeah. here and there, and what was a pretty serious episode with the guy looking for his uh, dead beloved and with the team thinking that daniel was dead they they had some good comedic breaks but i wasn't a huge fan of it just because it was so redundant it felt like to me like it could have been a 20 minute episode but they just decided to replay the same scenes over and over again of daniel and the fish guy going back and forth with their argument and the team going back and forth with their argument of we know daniel's dead but we know he's not dead but we know he's dead but we know he's not dead it just felt it felt like it could have been way shorter than it actually was. And like, they were just kind of trying to draw it out for time. That's fair. To me. So it, I wasn't a huge fan of it for that reason. I wouldn't say it was a bad episode. It just was a little tedious to me, I guess I would say. Yeah. I think if I weren't like studiously watching it, I probably would have zoned out a little bit during some of the scenes. Yeah, so. probably if I wasn't like pausing it and taking it. Or maybe, maybe if I wasn't pausing it and taking <laughs> notes and stuff, maybe it would have felt less tedious, but but yeah. yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That's my thought. I guess I don't know. Maybe that that gave me time to appreciate other things about it. Without, although, yeah, I was. I mean, I was feeling frustrated along with yeah. Nem and Daniel. So <laughs> yes, agree. Like, oh, but I still liked it. Um, I also you're not allowed to have a different opinion. What I know, I just. I, I also I was thinking a lot about so I guess this isn't about liking it or not but I, I mentioned uh-huh. it earlier about Daniel clearly not having like friends or family outside of his job and I guess we don't know enough about a lot of the people in this show to see I mean we know O'Neill I thought you were about to say that you don't have a lot of friends or family outside of your job either <laughs> and it's about to be so sad I don't know why I thought that's where you were going but I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not a friend. No. I mean, we could if we call school a job, 
That's how I know you. <laughs> it is. Although we've been out of school a very long time, or at least those, at least the same schools. You've been to school more often. Well, yes, I was actually in school much more recently, but that was also for (laughs) another degree. But (laughs) But, anyway, you were saying it it just seems really sad to me that Daniel doesn't really have. I mean, I know like he's got a mission. He has a wife. She's just, you know, been kidnapped and taken over by an alien so he's got issues and probably doesn't need to form a lot of relationships outside of that while he's on this mission but it's just right especially if he plans to go back to Abydos presumably when it's all over where it seems like he probably does have a good amount of friends and family but then it just like we know O'Neill had a family although he doesn't currently and Teal'c has a family although he's separated from them I don't know anything about Sam Sam really Sam seems to be a pretty declared loner i mean she's got her broken engagement at the very least that they seem to be a bunch of lonely people yeah i mean does that is that like part of the job like just you have to be like and not if you have to be but it's going to end up being easier if you don't have a lot of attachments because you can't talk to them about what you do anyway and i would think if you're constantly traveling for work and you're always on like top secret missions i would think yeah it would be really hard to maintain normal friendships and family relations except for maybe with your fish feeder (laughs) <laughs> yes, your fish feeder who you can let come into yeah. your apartment and read your diary whenever he or she wants Maybe to. Maybe there are uh, there are designated uh, pet carers at the SGC who oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's delightful. I wonder if his fish are as good uh, confidant as you have probably haven't watched The Witcher, but The Witcher likes to talk to his horse oh. and I wonder if Daniel has a similar relationship to his fish. Maybe. I talk to my cats a lot. I talk to my dogs yeah. and my cat. Yeah, Pepper, I'm talking about you. Probably more than I talked to the other guy that was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that other person. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, they're home more than he is, so I probably do talk to them more than That's I talk to Jeff. <laughs> um, oh, fun fact. The Fishman was played by an actor named Gerard Plunkett, who was also the leader guy from the Broca Divide. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. really? Interesting. So, of course yeah. I remember that episode and how much I hated it. <laughs> so leader guy from the he planet. Very yes, he looked extremely different to the point where I would not have known that ever. I definitely did not yeah. know that. Yeah. He sounded very different yeah. too. Not just, I mean, I'm sure that some of it had to do with the prosthetics, but like he had a deeper tone to his voice and a more like guttural throaty yeah. voice than I remember him having in that episode. So even, even that was quite different. Yes. Interesting. Yeah interesting and uh, so far i've counted two teal cats because i don't think he was wearing one in the apartment scene i don't think so he probably had his maybe he took it off he probably would have worn it on the way there so we're up to two hats at least as far as my recollections go which is that chicago baseball cap from cold lazarus and now this straw hat in fire and water yeah yeah that's my new list i'm keeping teal's hats yeah i appreciate (laughs) this and approve thank you (laughs) What are we watching next? Oh, good question. I did not pull that up. Let's see. <laughs> so the next episode we are watching, I almost said reading, but I'm going to read about <laughs> what we're watching. It's called Hathor. The evil gold Hathor escapes from a Mayan pyramid in Mexico. At the Stargate facility, she uses her charms to seduce the men into helping her take over the world. Can Samantha Carter and her female colleagues defeat Hathor? (gasps) (gasps) I do remember this episode. I remember this episode, too. I don't remember if I liked it or not. I think I did, but I don't really know. I I remember she uses, like, the royal we through the whole thing. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So, that's next. As always, thank you for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever other podcatcher might be your podcatcher of preference. Our episodes are released every other Monday, and you can also find us on YouTube as well. Reviews are greatly appreciated because they help others to find our podcast too. You can reach us by email at stargatesing at gmail.com or on Twitter. We're at stargatesing. And you can find us on Facebook. We have a page and also a group, so you can like the page and or join the group. And if you're feeling generous, you can find us on patreon.com slash stargatesing. Any donations go towards helping us cover our production costs. 
and may even help us to start releasing new bonus episodes or possibly someday even putting this show out more often. You can also check out our website, stargatesing.space. You have been listening to Stargatesing. I am Mary. I'm Kathy. The The end. end. start here no. since we just saw each other yesterday we'll also be seeing each other again tonight. it, it does make it uh, hard to be we should like schedule these for days where we haven't seen each other so recently well if i had had my act together it would have been earlier this week so that's fair well whatever nah. you know that it's still better at least you remembered that there was that time only like what two weeks ago where i just completely forgot and didn't watch the episode and also didn't show up for recording so you know, Meh. I can't judge. <laughs> Go. Yes. We're very together here. We are. Yeah. <laughs>